Hello, and welcome to SaaS Marketing Insights, the show where we ask SaaS founders, CEOs, marketers, and investors about the lessons they've learned in their quest to grow their companies. My name is Paul Stevenson, and I'm founder and CEO of SaaS marketing agency, 47 Insights. On today's show, I have an interview with Owen Matthews, General Manager at Wesley Clover. Hope you enjoy it. So, Owen, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to have you here. Um, No problem. I I always show up when you call. (laughs) This is going to be fun, I think. It could be. You might might be a bit of trouble. (laughs) Okay, so um, you are uh, unique in that you're the first person on this podcast uh, video show, whatever you want to call it, where we have interviewed uh, somebody who invests in uh, software companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm really interested in understanding the perspective that you have and how that differs from, say, what uh, a CEO might think about marketing or what a marketer might think about marketing. So um, first of all, how did you get started on your journey to be uh, you know, an investor in, in software and other businesses? Sure. I mean, my my history as an investor, uh, hopefully, like most good investors, starts with understanding companies and and having you know built companies. So uh, I started a company uh, when I was supposed to be in school. Uh, I was in uh, computer sciences and psychology, and uh, doing my degree. And then uh, it was a, a very exciting time in technology companies, late nineties. Uh, and uh, being in school seemed a lot less exciting than putting up a PowerPoint presentation and having people throw money at you. Uh, so so uh, I started up a technology company, uh, lived through the massive downturn uh, that, that happened in 2001. Uh, difficult time, but but uh, we survived through that. And, uh, so that was a kind of dot-com hangover? It was a little bit of a dot-com hangover, but uh, we did, uh, you know, a few years later successfully sell the company. Uh, to a public company, and uh, and that you know brought me back into the family business. So so investing in technology companies is a family business for me. Uh, so when I sold my company, uh, I then uh, you know looked at the portfolio of companies that were in our family investment firm, and uh, started helping out. And that naturally grew into making investment decisions out of that. So uh, I started a company, uh, grew it, uh, sold it successfully, and then and then you know started looking at and helping investments and then and then making investment decisions ultimately, which is what I do now. Fantastic. So um, that's how you got started. Mm-hmm. Um, so you started off in, in software. You had a business, you built it up, mm-hmm. you sold it. Uh, like you say, probably the best thing to have done. What was the first uh, outside investment that, that, that you made in terms of uh, like a, a software company? Can you remember mm-hmm. the... Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, extending on from 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 a little bit of my history, leading to to answer that question, I uh, I, I turned to the family investment firm uh, where where I was uh, now working for in in the late two thousands, and uh, and you know I said, okay, great. You know, so so now I'm an investment professional. You know, uh, you know, do I have a budget to make investments? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, well, you know, how about I propose this particular investment that uh, that I think is a really great company? Uh, I think we should invest in that. You know, can we make the investment decision? No. Okay. Well, it's a bit awkward then being an investment professional when when you don't have uh, a budget or any capital or can't make investment decisions. So, so I set about uh, you know finding a way to create companies from scratch. So, 
so the because it you know I had available budget to do that I I, I went to uh, you know government agencies and said look you know we're experts at uh, at creating companies we've been doing it for a long time and I I also uh, knew how important it was to create uh, companies and at the time it was you know engineering students didn't really have a path to entrepreneurship it's not like now where you've got you know a million incubators and mm. and and you know you can just put your hand up and 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 develop a company based on some application it was it was hard work and you really needed a path to show people uh and that allowed me to build you know a year and a half or two years of credibility with a team and and make them investable you know starting out with with uh you know uh, an idea or starting out with with a team and saying hey we should invest in this when they don't necessarily have traction, they don't necessarily have, have customers, was very difficult. So what I did is I created the deal flow and brought it to uh, Wesley Clover, the, uh, the, uh, the investment firm, and, and that prompted the investment. It's like, yes, they've got customers. Yes, they've mm-hmm. got, uh, yes, they've got uh, you know, credibility. They've stuck together as a team. Uh, so it's worthy of an investment, and you can evaluate it, and, and it made sense to invest in it. Uh, so I started out being an investment professional without budget, uh, and found a way to create companies uh, and create value, uh, which, which is always the way. I mean, CEOs should be thinking that way. You know, lean startups and and investors should be thinking that way as well. They shouldn't be taking their investors' money and 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 uh, and and spending it, uh, you know, carelessly. You should be thinking hard. And if there are ways to 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 do it with less, then fi- then then work hard to to uncover those ways. So I created a portfolio of technology companies. Uh, without that early stage funding uh, from from private investors, I did it, uh, f- you know, for the good of the country and and to create uh, and to create a group of technology companies, which has done really really well, uh, and and obviously ran great programs and met all of the uh, met all of the expectations of government for number of jobs created and and that kind of thing. So that so so my path was creating a company myself, you know, working hard, you know, understanding budgets, building software. In, in the old days when you actually distributed oh, software CDs. and yeah. not quite, we weren't that bad. It <laughs> right. was, it was digital USB distribution. <laughs> uh, it was digital distribution, but uh, it was definitely installed on a computer uh, and uh, you know, to where we are today, which is, which is uh, maybe my view on SaaS is, is uh, informed by that. I, I went through all the pain of those distributions and, uh, yeah. and how, uh, and how awkward it is and, and, and you have to charge your customers to manage update cycles and, and mm. you know, think 20% of your purchase price is this ongoing maintenance and, you know, it, it was not anywhere nearly as, as useful uh, as, as, say, SaaS, yeah. um, you know, offerings are today. So, so you know, I come from a background that didn't have that and I really understand the value of it. Uh, and uh, so I think that informs how we invest now. Uh, but that, that first investment... Uh, was always focused as SaaS, maybe because I uh, because I understood that pain, mm. and uh, so so that uh, the first company was a SaaS company. Uh, I recognized SaaS as a growing market, and I wanted that SaaS company to service SaaS companies uh, because I felt it was a growing market. And uh, so, you know, my very first investment was very focused on on both a SaaS offering as well as servicing the growing market of SaaS companies. So uh, I've, my entire investment career has has been in and around that as a market. So given this experience that, that, that you've had uh, investing in SaaS companies, mm-hmm. uh, you must see uh, marketing in particular mm-hmm. uh, from a, a slightly different prism from, from the way a CEO or a marketer would see it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, you know, over your time, uh, you must have seen some great successes with marketing, Mm -hmm. some great failures. Uh, I'm just keen to understand how you uh, value marketing uh, from an investor perspective and what you look for uh, in a in a startup uh, that that would then lead you to believe that there, there is potential there. Sure. So uh, SaaS marketing to me is a very important uh, issue when I evaluate a company. I, I, I doubt I'm unique when it comes to uh, my focus on um, SaaS marketing for, for companies. I refer to it a bit more broadly as digital customer acquisition uh, because yeah. digital customer acquisition is not just SaaS focused and sure. and certainly it's not just marketing. It's it's uh, you know all of the elements around building the funnel, you know, acquiring the customer, and and in fact, digital customer acquisition doesn't really cover it because there's the reactivation, the, the lifetime yeah. value, there's all that other yeah. stuff which is equally important. Uh, yeah, but but none of that kicks in if you don't have the customer acquisition in the first place. Uh, so so I hone in on that aspect of it. Uh, for me. I will not consider a company that does not have uh, a sound digital customer acquisition strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, regardless of the technology, regardless of the market opportunity, regardless of, uh, you know, any other element of the business, if you are not considering acquiring customers in a digital way, which can, you know... Scalable. Scalable. If, if you're not thinking about digital customer acquisition as a machine that you tinker with and improve mm. on a regular basis... Then I'm not interested in investing. Mm. Uh, so, so for me, that's the one very clear, you know, a hard rule: will not consider a, a company that 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 isn't building a machine to acquire customers. Uh, and that's informed by some of the research uh, that we've done. You know, I looked at you know in the past ten years all the companies that became unicorns. You know, something like ninety percent of them, uh, you know, are all acquiring customers in a digital way as their primary methodology. And as a group, they're the fastest growing, you know, companies mm-hmm. in the world and obviously are successful with high values. So, so you know, it is a, a wave globally around the world that affects every industry. Uh, and it's not just industry. I mean, the way that you acquire votes, sometimes not so legitimately, <laughs> but, but, you know, whether it's <laughs> votes, whether, whether it's, you know, government services, whether whatever it is, you know, you have to engage people, uh, and you have to engage them and, and, and get them to use those services. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so, so all of the facets of educating your customer with content marketing and, and getting in front of them or building brand, you know, the, the earlier on stuff all the way through to reactivation, they're, they're critical. And, and to me, that is, you know, the, a, a very strong correlation to success. If you're good at acquiring customers, mm-hmm. you can tinker with the product. You can tinker. You can start moving the knobs around yeah. to, to create Sing a more positive dials. outcome. Yeah. yeah, you can do that kind of thing. You know, if you're if you're um, you know at least in the business of getting customers through the doors, uh, you can you know it, you know improve you know your your lifetime value of the customer. You can improve the product. You can open up new products when you have them coming in the door and, and new services. Uh, so for me, that's a critical component that 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 uh, is just absolutely necessary for me to consider with respect to any investment. So that is the lens at which I consider every company that walks in the door is is the typical SaaS marketing you know toolkits. Uh, I so so that is the way in which I consider my investment. Now I say I'm not unique in that respect. I'm I definitely speak about it overtly as as a very important criteria. Uh, a lot of other investors. 
uh, are doing the same thing, but but they use different language. Uh, they'll say things like, "Well, show me the lifetime value," and and you know, "What's your revenue?" and mm. and you know, "What's the recurring revenue model?" and and they, they're definitely considering the same things. Yeah. They typically just don't overtly say, "Hey, it's about customer acquisition. It's about digital customer acquisition." Mm. Uh, so so for me, it's very important. Uh, and I would also uh, caution a little bit uh, when I look at a company and they come come in and they say, "Look." You know, this is our this is our customer acquisition playbook, uh, and they start talking about as as happens with investors. You know, we've done this before, and and you know, uh, you know, we, we we have this methodology, and and look at the experience of the team. Uh, making uh, assumptions about your ability to acquire customers uh, based on past experience uh, <laughs> doesn't doesn't uh, for me ring true because yeah. every product, every constituent so audience. Yeah. Is different, so you can't come in with your playbook and say, "I know this works, and this is how it's going to happen." You have to say, certainly to be credible to me, uh, you know, you know, we may have done this before. We have experience. Mm. This is our toolkit, but we we don't know which part's going to work. You still have to validate this. We still have to come in with the experimental attitude. And even if you are validating it and you're showing you've got proof points, you say these are our proof points. Mm. We're still going to be experimental. We're still going to try and optimize it. We're still going to be turning the dials to make this uh, Mm. to make this better. But, uh, you know, coming in and saying, we've got the playbook, we know how to do this, uh, you, it, it just doesn't ring true to somebody like me because we know every constituent market and every, every audience is a little bit different. And the playbook that worked in, in the previous market, even if they seem really, really similar, mm. may not work. Uh, you know, so, uh, so there's a cautionary tale about, you know, how important it is to me with mm. respect to digital customer acquisition, SaaS marketing, uh, but also, it's important enough that that you know we understand it enough to know that experience doesn't necessarily play as well in other areas. You know, yeah. compliance, you know, yeah. CFO type stuff. Experience really does matter, uh, and in, in digital customer acquisition, sure, experience matters. But you have to come in with that. But this market's different, and yeah. and we're going to test and try. And and yeah. if you're not coming in with that attitude, you can't say we know we're going to generate X traffic and mm. X returns and. Because the people that are knowledgeable pick that apart. Absolutely. So, um, from your experience or viewpoint, um, do you see any particular channels being broadly better than others, or, or methods, or you know, is your view just one hundred percent? Yep, you've got to try some different things. Uh, you know, and you've got to validate them. You don't have a kind yeah. of because you know the thing that you mentioned, oh, the, the word that you mentioned is playbook. You know, I hate yeah. that playbook word. Yeah, because, because there's because it's so many like different ways. Cookie cutter, and, yeah. and it never is like that. It never know? works. Uh, and and even if you were talking about the exact same market in the exact same company, mm. you know what worked three months ago isn't going to work now. So even right. within the company, you must constantly think about the different ways in which yeah. uh, your 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 audience, customer, citizen is responding. Mm. So so you can't come in with a with a with a playbook or a or a dogmatic mindset. It doesn't mm. work. Uh, so, so for me, you know, the, the, um, you know, the, the methods that tend to work typically surprise me, you know, I, you, you can, you can take broad assumptions like, you know, if it's a, you know, B2B SaaS, you know, you're not advertising on Facebook. Sure. And yet at the same time, you'd really be surprised about how, how often it works or how it works or, or, or what is, what's converting, uh, and you know what? For example, I mean, I, I doubt you'd find a digital marketer that wasn't on Facebook. 
well, if they're there, they're probably reading work stuff and have colleagues yeah. that are there. Uh, so I'm constantly surprised about you know what thread of of digital marketing is working. Uh, so it's it'd be difficult for me to say, oh, you know, I'm really surprised about this working. Uh, you know, we've seen companies where, you know, Quora is a massive converter. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've seen companies where, you know, email training is, is a massive converter. You know, it's so difficult because where is your audience or where is your customer base? Mm. Where 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 are they communicating? Where can they be influenced? Uh, you know, where can you create a brand experience that you didn't expect? It, it's uh, it's difficult. I mean, you you definitely when we when we're thinking about what's what's working, we have a philosophy of you know go to where you think the you know the rich rich target rich environment is and trying that first. Yeah, of course. Uh, but those are those are assumptions. But yeah, yeah. that's the beauty of 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 you yeah. know digital marketing is custom measure. <laughs> you know, it seems like a good idea. If you don't get results, try something else, yeah. and you keep at it. And and then once you've established something, you still keep at it, and you still experiment. You know, back at the way that you did it before, and try the, you know, go back to the same, uh, you know, channels that you try. Uh, but I am constantly surprised about what works. Mm. So I know we've talked before, and you have a view on this that you know, for so say you have a a startup business, and we're here in Victoria and BC, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think we have the same issues here that uh, a lot of other places have, San Francisco, mm-hmm. Vancouver, mm-hmm. Seattle. Uh, it's actually, you know, one of the biggest bottlenecks is actually finding people that uh, have the skills uh, mm-hmm. to uh, actually do this marketing uh, yeah. and, de- and deliver on it. Yeah. Um, I just wondered if you if you had any views on, on that in terms of, what should change in the industry, or, or um, what, why is it so difficult to find yeah. good marketers? So you know, we we've taken the approach that that we just train them. Uh, so there's good news in that. In that, uh, when you think about an experimental attitude, uh, you know, having someone that's got 20 years of experience matters less because you have to test and measure and mm. and that kind of thing. So so. It is trainable and it can be trainable fairly quickly. Yeah. Experience goes a long way when you think about test and measure and what you've seen work in the past, but you certainly can't come in, you know, assuming it's, going, it's, it's <laughs> going to work. So so you can't come in with your playbook and say, I've done this before, I know it'll yeah. work. Uh, so, so the idea of, uh, you know, broadly, hey, try this channel, try that channel, try that channel is good guidance, but they are trainable skills. So, so the nuts and bolts work of, of digital marketing is the kind of thing you can train. As an industry, I think we, there should be a lot more training. I have not seen good programs so much so that you know we, we think about uh, you know doing that for our companies internally mm-hmm. as a portfolio. Sure. How do we just you know train you know people uh, to go into those companies because our portfolio is big enough that, that there's an ongoing need uh, you know for people with these skill sets. Uh, but it's not the kind. Of, it's not like you know brain surgery. You need you know 15 years of training, right? So so it is trainable. But there really is not enough uh, people being trained in it, and and it's a different type of training. It's training, you know. It could look like this, but remember to not necessarily follow the playbook. Yeah. Uh, so so you, the classical sort of training, you know, here's the textbook and and here's the methodology and and do this and you'll be successful. Uh, it, it doesn't work in that kind of teaching no, environment. It really has dogma. to be it has to be hands on, <laughs> yeah. right? Hands on with with a lot less dogma. So uh, so my view is. 
much more training in the area would be important. Uh, my view is that, uh, you know, we, we train people because there's just a lack of them around uh, that could come in and do those roles. And, and that's a risk and it takes time and, and it's a challenge. So as an industry, I feel that there is constant demand for, mm. for people in that field. So, so definitely a good place to be. There's, it's hugely valuable. So you go back to marketing, um, you know, even, you know, you know, 20 years ago when I started um, technology companies, marketing did a particular thing. It was like, you know, you know brand and, yeah. and, and supporting sales and stuff like that. Now, marketing, certainly in the SaaS world, is sales. There's yeah. a direct correlation between good marketing and good results. And it's like 90% of the journey, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, and In terms of customer acquisition. And the conversion part even if it's you know phone call you know custom it's still done in like 15 minute increments it's not done in in you know like over months of sales process uh, in many cases so so it really the role has changed to being critically important mm. and and therefore lots and lots of opportunity so so i think we definitely need more people uh, constantly looking for for good people and that'll be true everywhere. Mm. Uh, Victoria happens to be pretty special in that, uh, for whatever reason, 15-odd years ago, we put a lot of energy into digital customer acquisition. I think because we had less venture money, uh, there are uh, very few venture capitalists based here. So, you know, I would argue I might be the only one. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's good for you. <laughs> yeah, there, 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 are, there are some great angels and, and certainly yeah. other investors around. But in terms of, you know, like an investment firm, yeah. I think we're the only one. Uh, so, you know, the, the, there, there wasn't a lot of venture money around at all, you know, 20 years ago. So, you know, bright people want to want to build something for themselves. They have to wait, find a way to do it. And, and they find a way to do it in ways that immediately make money, which is with digital customer acquisition. So, so we were really pioneers in Victoria in, in digital customer acquisition. And as a result, most of the companies that are successful in this town are somehow related to digital customer acquisition. So, uh, you know, I, I, to me, I, I'm constantly surprised when I go to other places that, that are a bit more traditional. You know, it, it, it's so obvious that, that the path is, you know, the right path for, for so many companies is, you know, SaaS marketing and digital customer acquisition. And yet I still bump up against this archaic, you know, salesperson, sales channel kind of hmm. mentality. Uh, but then again, you know, I, I'm in a place that is, we're really pioneers in that area. So, so I'm pretty fortunate that way. Uh, but we constantly need people. Uh, I think the need will continue to grow and, uh, and you can do it anywhere. So, you know, customer acquisition, making companies successful, you know, it doesn't matter where you are. And that, that means that, you know, the, the sort of the value of technology companies around the world can grow. They don't have to be centrally tied to a... And, and, and <clears throat> you know, if you're acquiring customers from around the world and you've got the right strategies and the right methodologies, it's not like they're looking at where your headquarters are. They're just, they're, <laughs> they, they like what you do and the on-ramp was easy and they tried it and it works yeah. for them and these great things. Oh, great, okay, we're a customer now. Yeah. Uh, all of those strategies and all of those methodologies, you know, physical locations and distribution all really doesn't matter so you yeah. can do it from anywhere so i'm seeing you know growth around the world uh with respect to customer acquisition and technology companies and i think that's a great thing yeah uh, i think it, it's it you know it creates opportunities around the world but it will be driven by by the value of those uh, digital marketers and there's nowhere near enough of them mm. so uh definitely need a lot more of them uh they'll have you know a huge 
uh, sort of uh, growing value inside most technology companies, and uh, and and it colors the view of everything that we do. So we talked a little bit there on uh, about Victoria here, but uh, if I'm right, Wesley Clover actually invests internationally all over. All over the world, yeah. 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 So, so you must see uh, uh, developments in different countries. So, mm-hmm. for example, you know, SaaS in China, which is mm-hmm. something that I'm not familiar with. Yeah. Um, you know, is it marketed the, the, the same way? Is it following mm-hmm. the sort of... The, the, the patterns or, or are they developing the, their own techniques? Mm. Uh, so we've seen the, the, the techniques in, with respect to digital customer acquisition uh, in China and, and to answer your question specifically, I, you probably meant it more broadly, but, yeah, yeah, but, but, but to answer your question specifically, uh, with respect to the, I found the sophistication uh, of the platforms that you use for ad buying and performance marketing uh, they're not quite as sophisticated as customers. Mm. Uh, they're not saying, you know, I know it's going to make me a dollar fifty, so I'm willing to pay seventy five cents for you yeah. to bring me that customer. It's a little less. Uh, it's still highly transactional, being performance marketing, yeah. uh, but it's a little less specifically performance to an outcome. It's like mm. I need to buy traffic, mm. and I know that traffic will translate into into improved customers Eventually. or downloads or, <laughs> or, or whatever. Um, but there's not a tight correlation like right. I'm not going to pay you unless that turns into a customer. I'm going to pay you for the traffic and the reference and the download. Um, whereas I found in the North American performance markets, uh, they're getting more and more targeted to... That attribution yeah, all the way yeah. through. Yeah. I know that I make 75 cents for selling the hamburger. If you sell the ad you know, for 50 cents and I make 75, great, but I'm only going to pay you the 50 if I actually sold the hamburger. Yeah. Right. So that kind of really specific attribution... Uh, has been more sophisticated in in the North American market. In the Chinese market, we haven't seen that yet. It's still mm-hmm. a lot of ad buying. It's a lot of you know lower Brand conversion rates, sort of less less specific correlation to to an outcome. Yeah, uh, I think it's coming, uh, and I don't think it'll be long before it gets there. Uh, but uh, but we're seeing less of less of that. Uh, I still see a lot of sort of traditional Salesforce fundamental technology as an approach in China. I uh, still see that we have an investment fund in India. I still see that in India. Very, very traditional. They all want to build applications and they all want to be involved in mobile because it's cool and growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they all necessarily want to build apps. But the larger companies are still very traditional in their approach. Uh, and um, and it's a protected market. So so it's uh, it, it's not like Walmart is rolling in there with their e-commerce yeah. program. Uh, so, so uh, you know... Definitely, uh, you know, a protected market. So I think there's plenty of room for for opportunity there. Uh, we also have an investment fund in Istanbul, in Turkey, and again, very traditional market. Uh, so you know, bringing those methodologies, we feel will will have us stand out and be successful uh, in those markets. Uh, you know, certainly in North America and Victoria in particular, highly sophisticated with respect to customer acquisition. Uh, and, and Israel, we do a lot of interaction with performance marketers in Israel, and they're very sophisticated mm. uh, with respect to their performance marketing. Um, you know, and, and I'm sure that correlates into all the other aspects of, of digital marketing. So, as an investment firm, you've got a real opportunity to sort of take the best of what's happening in, mm-hmm. in terms of digital customer acquisition, mm-hmm. SaaS marketing, uh, and and actually then apply that. You know. Mm-hmm. And, and transfer that that knowledge around. Yeah, we, we your use portfolio. we use the uh, investments in foreign countries as market intelligence. What's happening in that market, and does it make sense to take a piece of technology that was developed in North America and go after the market in Turkey and India and China, 
or or vice versa? You know, do we see an opportunity in China that they are speaking to, you know, local companies and local customers, finding out something, and they can they can look at that and uh, and and sort of you know collect information around our portfolio and say, well, that's not really a global opportunity. It's just a local opportunity. Now yeah. China's big enough that it, that it wouldn't matter anyway, but I'll take Turkey as an example. Uh, they might look at that and say it's a local opportunity, but it's already solved in Europe or it's already solved in North America, and therefore the big machine that solved it is coming and you just yeah. don't know it yet, and therefore it's a really niche opportunity to, to, mm-hmm. to Turkey. Uh, you know, or they might have developed something and we go look at the market here and say, you know what, that's a global opportunity. You know, push that button hard uh, because you've uncovered something which hasn't been solved elsewhere and uh, and you can do it from Turkey and you can sell around the world, uh, you know, when you use these methodologies. So, uh, yeah, so we use it as market intelligence. Cool. So, you're a really, really busy guy. <laughs> Not um, for you. <laughs> you're busier than I am. Um, <laughs> believe me, you are. Um, so, uh, you know... How do you, where, where do you find your inspiration in terms of, because, because, you know, we've talked about different things and you always seem to have a view on anything. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily an accurate view. <laughs> but it's, a, it's an informed view. Uh, you know, it's an educated view. So mm-hmm. you obviously spend a lot of time uh, reading and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, getting inspiration from somewhere mm-hmm. that then informs uh, the investment decisions that that, that you make. I'm yeah. Just curious well, about... I'll tell I'll tell you the San Francisco answer. You know, I like to read fifteen books uh, a week. <laughs> uh, you know, I do audio books. I I biohack with with you know microdosing, and <laughs> and I like to be creative and. Uh, um, you know, and and the world around me, you know, gives me billions of dollars to spend. So every now and then, I make a unicorn. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm far less uh, less boring. Uh, I, I find reading a, a huge challenge. You know, I've got a, a busy family life. I've got three kids. Uh, you know, so uh, you know all of the chaos that 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 happens there. So I'd love to read more, and I, I do thoroughly enjoy it, uh, but don't have a lot of time for it, unfortunately. Uh, and um, and as much as I, you know, uh, talk about the importance of, of digital customer acquisition and, and digital marketing, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I come from the school of relationship selling. Uh, that's how I was successful early in my career. Mm. And it's also how we all absorb information a little bit better a, a, as people. So I really enjoy speaking to people and, and you know, absorbing information. And, and I happen to be uh, pretty good at that. Uh, mm. I, I, you know, I can have a conversation with someone, and and really get to understand quite quickly their view, their unique set of knowledge, and I absorb it really, really well. So I spend a lot of time speaking to my colleagues around the world mm. and and understanding what's happening in, yeah, in sure. their world. I spend a lot of time speaking uh, to other investors, and and I really um, I quiet the internal monologue. Uh, and and I think uh, in fact I coach my my CEOs and, and management teams to do this. It, it, it's less uh, at least the way in which I learn, and I think most people learn um, is I stop thinking about what I'm going to say, and I stop thinking about uh, the the importance of my internal monologue, and I start paying really really close attention to the other person, 
And the more I do that, the more I learn from them. And the more I learn from them, the more uh, those things ring true and I can test them in my companies, in mm. my own life. I can go, you know, I actually heard what you said. I understood it. It actually impacted me. Um, and I don't necessarily believe it, but I might try it. And, and then, I'll, then I'll, I'll try those things or I'll do certain things. And, uh, and, and I find that informs, uh, you know, a lot of my worldview is, is taking those pieces of information from so many people. And sometimes they're very brief conversations. But if you're really tuned in mm. to what people are saying, uh, you know, you can absorb a huge amount of information. And this is an amazing view and, and, and people are phenomenally complicated and, and have such interesting experiences. So, you know, as someone who is thinking about a machine, uh, you know, a bunch of software and a bunch of ad buying and a bunch of marketplaces and, and how incredibly important that is uh, to the success of the company, ultimately what fulfills me uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I love my job, uh, and, and don't feel like I need to, need, need to seek solace from it. Um, you know, I, I'm very fortunate in that way and it's all I've ever known. And I grew yeah, up, sure. I grew up, you know, in startup companies, you know, as a young kid, uh, I, I really just didn't know any other life, but I really do love what I do. And, um, and that's because of, the exact opposite of what I encourage the companies to do, uh, which is it is it is highly interactive. So as an investor, I'm interacting with teams. I'm keeping them strong. I'm managing the culture. I'm 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 listening really intently to what they're experiencing and coaching them through it and learning from them, you know, throughout the process. Uh, so I get exposed to you know uh, you know full time working with CEOs, understanding what strategies are working. And, uh, and that really fulfills me, but not because I'm an investor advocating or not yeah. because I'm an investor dictating. Uh, those are typically pretty poor investors. Uh, you know, they, they might be highly influential um, and controlling and can make their company successful by, by virtue of that. But I like strong teams that are legitimately in control of their companies. And I'm a guide and, and, uh, and a mentor and yes, an investor, but at the same time, I'm helping them be successful because of my really active involvement. And I find that very fulfilling. Uh, so, so, you know, for me, I would say the, the, the time that I find, you know, personally, uh, you know, fulfilling and, and recharging is the time I spend speaking with people that, that uh, might change my view or, 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 or provide a surprise view uh, to me. So meeting with people from different backgrounds and really legitimately paying attention to what they're saying and how they're feeling and what their worldview is, I find uh, informs me on on subjects that would be pretty random. I mean, we have conversations often and you might turn to me and go, how on earth does he know that? It's probably because I took the time to speak to the cab driver or, or, yeah. or speak to the person beside me on the plane or, or, or whatever it is. And, and I did, it wasn't passing politeness. Legitimately, I was interested in who they were and what they had to say. Yeah. And then I tested it. And then yeah. I'm like, okay, great. I'm going to go read that news article. I'm going to go do that thing yeah. that, that, that they said worked. And, uh, and that informs a huge amount. Uh, so I'm the kind of person that will you know, have a brief conversation and then go away and just can't help myself at 3 o'clock in the morning and <laughs> go and study it. And the next day be like, did you know that, you know? Anyway. So you're inspired by people. And you're yeah. A- yeah. Highly promiscuous networker with yes. people. Yes. Yeah. I uh, I uh, I love people. I, I love I love working with people. I love seeing people be successful. Yeah. Uh, so you know we're 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 very funny as as an investment firm. 
spending an awful lot of time with people who are not our investments and helping them. Uh, <laughs> you know, we across the board have, have done that for yeah. a long, long time. And it's very fulfilling. And often people look at us and go, you know, our best investor was doing? that guy <laughs> and he didn't even invest. Uh, so so uh, it is funny. Um, but, uh, but no, I find that... Uh, uh, you know, legitimately one of my, uh, you know, one of my great, uh, you, get you know, joys. out of genuinely helping people. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that it's the most rewarding thing you can do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and setting up good cultures and and helping people set up good cultures so they can they can carry that on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think is probably my best work, independent of the you know the money that we raised or the people that we hired or or or, or all of that kind of yeah. stuff. Uh, really, the lasting legacy is, is teaching the people to take the same approach that I take to help for the sake of helping, and that leads to success. The minute you stop thinking about the number, the number becomes easy. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's the sales, whether it's the investment, whether it's the. Yeah. I mean, thank you very much. That was oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned a lot. <laughs> Anytime. Great to see you again. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Owen. For more info on Wesley Clover, please visit www.wesleyclover.com. For more info about this show and to get our links to iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher and YouTube, check out www.47insights.com. And if you have any SaaS marketing insights that you'd like to share on the show, please get in touch. Until next time.